Hello and welcome back to the Irish Football Fans Podcast. I'm Joseph McCarthy with Irish Abroad. This week I'm joined by Mark Kennedy from Hawkeye Psychic. Uh, with the return of the Premier League, with the return of the Championship and the upcoming return of MLS you know, football in the US, there's a lot for us to talk about. Mark, uh, start with the return of the, the Premier League. We haven't seen any new Irish players make their debut. I know we discussed this in the, our preview of the return to Premier League football. Uh, we thought we might see the likes of maybe Gavin Bizzuno or Tyreek Wright get a, a chance with their clubs, but it hasn't really happened yet. And one thing that's worrying me a little is that we haven't seen any goal scorers either. The Irish players that have been playing have been performing very well. Seamus Coleman in particular seems to be back to his very best under the new manager at Everton, but we just can't seem to find the net at the other end of the pitch. What players have impressed you so far? Yeah, it's been an interesting, you know, resumption to the league. As you said, Seamus Coleman has been outstanding for Everton. I think he set the tone with the Merseyside Derby performance man of the match. He's been absolutely superb. It's been great to see Shane Duffy as well in Brighton getting some valuable game time. I know Webster has been kind of keeping him out of side before COVID-19, but it's good seeing Shane Duffy there. provides that solidity and aerial kind of prowess that we've talked about in the preview. I suppose midfield, Conor Horahan has had his flashes of brilliance with Aston Villa and also probably David McGoldrick to a certain extent. Now, granted, he hasn't scored in Premier League since the resumption, but he did score for Sheffield United against Arsenal. So you're kind of hoping that um, McGoldrick kind of hits a good run of form in the league as well. Uh, I know we're recording this on Thursday, July 2nd, so... Tottenham were beaten 3-1 by Sheffield United. No, John Egan, again, has been superb as well in centre-half position. So there hasn't been an awful lot of Irish players that really kind of put their hand up. As you said, lack of goals, probably a worry, but I don't think you can complain about the work rate, the effort and the endeavour here uh, from the Irish players. And again, brilliant to boot. Yeah, and Dave McGoldrick, possibly a case in point. You know, He's one of these non-scoring goal scorers or non-scoring strikers that we have but seems to be well regarded by not just his management, but also the fans at Sheffield United for uh, for his work rate. He's a target man. He holds the ball up well. He brings others in. And the way that Sheffield United play, he just seems to be that ideal target man, that ideal pivot point uh, up front that they have. You know, It's interesting that the next goal scored by an Irish player will equal the number of goals scored last season. And the next Irish goal scorer will actually exceed the number of goal scorers in the last two seasons in the Premier League. So we're looking forward to those uh, those statistics being set by whoever manages to score. Yeah, I suppose, Joe, as well, I forgot the big name, Matt Doherty, Wolves. He's been absolutely outstanding as well, hasn't he? I mean, you know, he's had, you know, five-star performances for Wolves since the resumption as well. So be remiss not to mention him as well. Picked up exactly where he left off for Wolves, playing down that uh, right-hand side as a wing-back. And, you know, he set up a goal. He's already got an assist since the return. And he's looking forward to Europa League football when the Premier League games finish. So we, since we've been mentioning defenders, one position that no Irish player has filled since the restart has been in goals. We mentioned Darren Randall's move to West Ham in our preview, and he has still hasn't uh, hasn't started for West Ham since the return of football. Uh, Kieran Westwood is obviously not in the manager's thoughts. Creevin Callagher and Gambazunu are probably both a little bit too young to be playing Premier League football, although a lot of people have their fingers crossed that Callagher and also Andy Lonergan at Liverpool will get a run 
in the last four fixtures of the season to qualify for a Premier League winner's medal. And further afield in Norway, Sean McDermott still can't get a game with his club since the Norwegian League has returned. Mark, it's not that long since Shea Given, Dean Kelly, Alan Kelly, Paddy Kenny were all Premier League regulars. Why do you think that we're suddenly struggling to have a goalkeeper playing at the top level? Yeah, it's it's an interesting conundrum here, Joe. And even looking at the rosters of the Premier League squads, we can go down through it, really. I mean, from a Premier League perspective, like... The thing with the, the guys like the Mark Travers, the Stephen Hendersons, Quevin Kellehers, Darren Randolphs, we know the talent is there, we know the potential is there, but I think it's just a predicament of some of these football clubs are in at the moment that first team coaches are under incredible pressure to deliver results and perhaps they're just plumbing with their number one at the moment. I think it's a case in point in Bournemouth at the moment with Aaron Ramsdale continuing to be in goal for Bournemouth, but let's be brutally honest, Bournemouth and defensively they've been absolutely shocking and uh, I know we kind of spoke off air here, Joe, you know, in the North American sports like ice hockey, if a team like Bournemouth are having a wretched run, the head coach will basically hang the goalkeeper and put a new goalkeeper in, particularly in ice hockey, to kind of see a change of fortune. But I, I remain to be convinced here in terms of Eddie Howe, whether he's going to change Ramsdale for the rest of the season. The likes of Darren Randolph situation, I think for me as well, is a little bit of a misnomer because I saw Fabianski last night against uh, Chelsea and I definitely think he was culpable for the William free kick I don't think he gives the solidity required to that West Ham defence and I suspect that Moyes he's under pressure to get results but maybe Darren Randolph should be pushing a little bit more here on Fabianski's um, place here because Randolph certainly has a shot stopping and cross taking ability here to provide more of an impact I think for Fabianski so I think Randolph out of everyone here probably from the Premier League hopefully we'll see some game time action before the end of the season though but it's a difficult one, isn't it, Joe? I mean, as you said, those names come roll off the tongue in terms of our past Premier League goalkeeper. I mean, it's it's just probably an evolution, transitional period here in terms of the goalkeepers. I mean, Travers in the season two years should be getting first-team football, hopefully in Premier League, same at Kelleher. And even likes of the Kieran O'Hara's of this world, you'd hope, you know, he rebuilds his career and might get back up there into the top echelon. Yeah, unfortunately, Kieran O'Hara released by Manchester United this week, which I think is no doesn't really say a lot about his ability. Just because you can't make it at Manchester United doesn't make you a, a bad player. It just means you're not really in that top one percent of the one percent that you need to be to get to keep a squad position at Manchester United. Uh, and I fully expect him to get picked up by a, a League One or even a Championship side. Just looking at, at West Ham, you know they've conceded fifty six goals. This season, that's the second worst in the division, only behind uh, Aston Villa and Norwich City have both conceded 60. We've said before that it's strikers that wins games, but it's defences that wins championships. And it could be a defence that keeps West Ham up. They're on 30 points at the moment. They're only three points clear of Aston Villa in 18th. And I think 36 points would be enough to keep them up. West Ham and Watford, if they want to stay up, they're going to have to stop conceding goals. And West Ham, as you said... They're just conceding needless goals with Fabianski between the posts. Maybe Randolph should get his should get his chance. Another goalkeeper that we didn't mention, but is possibly one for the future, is Danny Rose, the under-17 goalkeeper who's rejected a, a contract from Everton and is moving to Germany to play for Schalke. Uh, I think he described it as the, the finishing school for goalkeepers in a, a recent interview. Uh, Mark... We're starting to see Irish players getting moves to clubs on the continent. 
and we're starting to see Irish players come through the academies in the continent. I'm thinking and Samuel Garcia McNulty, who's gone to gone to the Bundesliga. We've seen Connor Noss, who who still hasn't made his first team debut for Borussia Mönchengladbach, but has been involved with the first team during the season. And we could possibly be seeing Jeff Hendrick move to AC Milan, which we'll talk about later. Do you think that the quality of players that we're producing recently means that they're starting to get positive glances or positive reports from the continent and we could start seeing more players playing in mainland Europe instead of taking that well-worn path to the Premier League to the UK? Definitely, Joe. I think you have to complement the underage coaching at club level. Even the much maligned FAI, their national coaching scheme programs, and indeed underage tournaments, international tournaments have identified these players. And you know now, Joe, it's a global game. Longer the days that a 15, 16-year-old is packing his bags from Ireland to England and not really kind of going anywhere else. It's such a global kind of soccer uh, game now in terms of the US, the MLS, and also continental Europe as well. And I mean, Rose is going to a great club, I think. Uh, Joe, wouldn't you agree with Schalke? I mean, the academy ha- can boast like the likes of Joel Matib, Ige, Kudigan, Max Meyer, Julian Draxler. But even from a goalkeeping perspective, Manuel Neuer went through the Schalke academy, Ian yeah. Slayman as well. So I think that from a Dan Rose perspective, the level of coaching, it's evident in terms of how they can turn guys of that age group, of Dan Rose's age group, into world superstars. And if Dan Rose can apply himself, embrace the culture. That's the one thing about these the footballers here. It's, it's not the English, where we're very common commonalities between Ireland and the UK. To embrace the culture, embrace the language, and things will follow. And hopefully Dan Rose does that, embraces it, works hard. And with these German clubs, if you're good enough, you'll get your chance. So best of luck to them. The under-17s this year were unfortunate, really unfortunate. After topping their uh, their qualifying group with a 100% record, they find that the UEFA under-17 championships are completely cancelled due to the current ongoing global health crisis. So, we're, you know, he's missed out on that development. I think that's... They would have been one of the favourites to qualify for the actual finals that would have been held in the summer. And instead now uh, he's going to wait for the, the Under-19 Championship or the Under-19 Qualifiers to start in October, which I think are being held actually in Ireland. So we might get to see him play on home ground and maybe start to see the, the results of that training that he's going to get in, in Germany. Yeah, absolutely, Joe, because, you know, even from a Bundesliga perspective, you know, they're very much into the mental side of the game the technicality, but also the, the physicality as well. You know, he's going to be in gym programs, not like he'd be doing in UK, but I think they're very regimental in terms of those Bundesliga clubs. It's very kind of a profession in Germany where you're in, it's literally an office situation, uh, but in the training ground from, let's say, eight o'clock in the morning until five, six o'clock in the evening, really analysis, the analysis of your position. So I think we should see, see reap the benefits of that. But Dan Rose, particularly the under-19s, hopefully we'll get to see a game, uh, Joe, and we can maybe comment on it on a future podcast. The first round of qualifying for the under-19s are, are going to be held in Ireland in November. Uh, we've drawn Poland, Bosnia-Herzegovina and Estonia with the two top teams qualifying for the elite round and the third team qualifying if it's the best third-place team. I think at home... You're going to have to give Ireland uh, the advantage. Poland and Bosnia-Herzegovina will be very tough opposition at, at any level. And Estonia, 
you know, no offence intended, but they are the weakest side in that group. The finals being held in Romania this time next year. You know, we wish uh, we wish Dan Rose, we wish and the rest of the the under nineteens uh, the very best. One thing that I've learned, you know, running the Irish abroad side uh, every year is that this is the time of the year when contracts expire, when players are released, when transfer deals are agreed, and it's always really tough to look down the list of player Irish players that have been released from their clubs in England that you know the contracts haven't been renewed. Uh, and finding themselves without a club. But this year, Jeff Hendrick has left Burnley four years after he was signed as their, at the time, record signing and finds himself linked with AC Milan. Mark, this would be a massive move for any player. Do you think that he'd be well-suited to the to Serie A? And maybe would he be well-suited to the, the current team that Milan are, are, are putting out? They're not the powerhouse that they were in the 90s. They're not the team that had Rijkaard, Van Basten and Hullet. They're not the Champions League winning team that we saw in the 90s and 2000s. They've kind of slipped down the the rankings in Serie A. I don't know if Jeff Hendrick is the player to bring them back up into Europa League or Champions League contention, but it has to be seen as a positive step that uh, another Irish player is being courted by a club the size of AC Milan. No, I completely agree, Joe. It's a it's a fantastic link for Jeff Hendrick. And in fairness to him and Burnley, himself and Burnley, there were mutual mutual benefit beneficiaries. Um Hendrick really did feature for Burnley in the last few seasons, was a prominent performer under midfield, chipped in with some vital goals. And I think Sean Dyche would be the first one to recognise Hendrick's contribution to the side, um, the overall survival of the team, the the impact he's had in terms of qualifying for Europa League. Um, Hendrik was a massive contributor but again it comes to a stage where Hendrik is looking for that big big move and to be honest AC Milan we, we know their history you know from the 50s, 60s, 70s the whole of Van Basten era the Baresis, the Maldinis they're a sleeping giant they're currently in 7th place at the moment they're 29 points behind Juventus which is incredible uh, and I mean you can see their form this season has been very inconsistent They've competed well against the top four, but then against like second bottom Spal, uh, last night they were two 0 down. They managed a two all draw. So, and I think there's a managerial change as well. Gattuso is now being replaced, I think, at the end of the season. So, for Jeff Hendrick, if he can secure a move there, um, it's it's a great move, you know, from a baseline perspective. The only way I think is up for Milan, new coach, and there will be additions to that squad as well. And I think Hendrick's technical ability, Joe, you would agree, he's an excellent ball player. And again, from an attacking sense, he probably can add an awful lot to this side. Um, again, it's all about the culture and embracing the culture. Milan is a, a lovely city. Um, so if this move was to materialise, it'd be only great for Stephen Kenny and the Irish team, really, that we have another player playing in a, a league which is very technically uh, gifted. Hopefully the, the move comes out. Yeah, and I think his reputation in Italy might have been made at Euro 2016, when journalists, Italian journalists, were speaking to their Irish colleagues and asking, "Who is this guy playing in midfield?" You know, it seems to have everything. Well, why is he? Why is he still at Derby? And I think that was just before the move to Burnley was completed. And it's possible that that memory that they have of the performances that he put in at the championships is why it spurred this rumored move to AC Milan. Roma have also been linked with him, and Newcastle United apparently are also in talks with him. I don't think 
moving to Newcastle at the moment was is a good idea. Their ownership is very much up in the air. The manager's position is very much dependent on that. Season to season, it might it might be worth waiting to see does the club get sold? Is the manager changed? And uh, what happens at, at Newcastle? Celtic have also been linked, but again, I can't see them affording the wages that he would be on, uh, or matching the wages that he would be offered by by Newcastle, by AC Milan, or possibly by by Roma. But it's, it's again, it's a very interesting link that an Irish player, a technically gifted Irish player, is linked with a club outside of England and is considering it. I think um, it's more like the Dan Rose kind of uh, situation as well. I think we'll see more of a trend. Like even like Sakillian Sheridan, I mean, you know, he's been at many kind of clubs outside of the UK. Again, it's going to be a growing trend, I think, with Irish players, particularly with the our underage structures, how our players are getting more technically um, enhanced at a younger age. I think continental teams, MLS teams, for instance, will look at these players more. So, you know, exciting times for everyone. We've mentioned clubs outside of the UK and even outside of Europe. The football is starting to return in the US, the NWSL teams have returned with the NWSL Challenge Cup and currently leading the league table in the preliminary round is North Carolina Courage, uh, who have Ireland's Denise O'Sullivan playing for them in midfield. Now, Mark, we're, we don't get to see a lot of the NWSL games here, but Denise seems to be one of the highest regarded players in the competition. Um, she's been uh, a mainstay for the current champions, North Carolina Courage, for a few seasons now. Obviously, Irish players can play anywhere in Europe without the need for a visa, but the NWSL is probably the, the highest regarded competition for women's football. Do you think that more Irish players should look to move to Northern America? I think so, Joe. Uh, I think it's the pinnacle. I think it's the top league from uh, a league week by week basis I think this league is probably the top women's league just given the US internationals that are playing in that league Rabino and all, all all the US national team but their collegiate system their high school system in the US particularly in the ladies game I think is just a blueprint you know literally how they're able to identify these these players at an early age and then get them through kind of the educational system to a stage where they can then perform at these professional clubs. I mean, the player base itself is just incredible there. And to be pitting your wits against the best, in my regard, you know, they're the best lady soccer team at the moment in the United States of America. And as well as that, you'll probably have the Canadians and you have a few continental Europeans that are going over there as well. Yeah, it's definitely probably a league that I think our kind of ladies head coach will probably be encouraging some of the other players uh, to kind of probably try their hand at as well. Not disrespecting kind of the English league, but again, I think from a US perspective, I was over there in Boston and I saw, you know, particularly in Connecticut, uh, Boston as well, uh, Washington, D.C., you know, these are big, big, big soccer areas and particularly ladies soccer is really dominant there. So, yeah, definitely it's a league that should be people should be aspiring to really. Yeah. Megan Campbell went over to, to study in the U.S. and to train as a as a footballer and now we see her playing with Manchester City she just signed a, a one year extension to her contract after coming back from a, a pretty serious knee injury uh, I'm looking forward to seeing her playing next season when the, the Super League returns uh, in, in England as well as the NWSL returning we have the MLS's back tournament and 
uh, Irish representation there is probably is headed up by Atlanta United, who have Jake Mulraney in their in their roster after signing him from Hearts before the the season kicked off, and also John Gallagher, who came through the Super Draft last year and spent time on loan with Aberdeen this season. Mark, the MLS has been improving steadily since it was first founded, and I think it's it's not unfair to say it's at like championship level uh, now. Do you think that we can see players from the MLS selected from the national side? I know Robbie Keane was picked consistently while he was playing for LA Galaxy, but Robbie Keane was one of our best ever players and the team captain. Do you think that Jake Mulraney and John Gallagher will be will be monitored? And as well as that, there's uh, Aaron Malloy and Tom Gaston are with Portland Timbers, but they're going to spend this season with the uh, Portland Timbers too. Yeah, I think it definitely uh, Mulraney, I think, is definitely the guy for me. Uh, to have a watch for in the MLS. I mean, I rated him as a player of Hart Melodian and it didn't really work out for him there given the whole instability at that football club. And Atlanta is a great club, you know, newly formed. They're already MLS champions. They have a great fan base and uh, a city as well that really embraces the soccer. Uh, so, great arena. I think he'll embrace the MLS because, uh, yeah, I've been following the MLS when I was over in the states no this is back 2001 to 2007 it was really a fledgling league but since then it's grown in leaps and bounds you know for the likes of schweinsteiger rooney obviously the beckham effect has been there for full effect other players have kind of come to the club to these mls clubs in la slatan as well but i think you're going to see in the mls that you will see players that are in their prime maybe making a move in the next season or two because the standard of football is is quite good joe i mean Considering the Eastern and Western Conference, the, the quality of football is pretty decent. They all like to play it from the back. Very technically gifted players. As we said, back in the US Collegiate day is the Super Draft, where you kind of mentioned, um, the, uh, was it Gallagher, was it, that went through the Super Draft? Yeah. Um, again, it, that is a great learning for Gallagher, particularly in the collegiate system. That player pool, like, I mean, USA, they're really the kind of the sleeping giant of men's soccer at the moment given their kind of the player pool that they have and I noticed the first time particularly in the underage under 8s 10s 12s 14s this is the sport that kids are predominantly looking at particularly in the northeastern northwestern west coast areas and it's only a matter of time that these kids get into the MLS and it's before time that the national team start excelling getting to quarterfinals semifinals and major tournaments so the MLS is certainly a league to watch out for and I think Mulrani definitely is one of these guys that uh is going to be one of the guys to watch. Yeah, and I know Kevin Doyle has played there as well. We've seen Caleb Fallon go over and play. But teams like Atlanta playing every week in front of 42,000 fans uh, in the Mercedes-Benz mm-hmm. Stadium in in Atlanta, that has to be an attractive proposition for uh, Irish players. And obviously, there's a massive Irish diaspora in the US. One of the things cited about moving to the continent is that the, that support structure uh, for Irish players for you know might not be there but I think that's that might not be an issue in the US that everyone has a cousin everyone has an uncle everyone has knows someone who's gone to America so that might make the move a little easier yeah I think you know we've been talking here Joe about the global aspect and I think from a Republic of Ireland, even Northern Ireland perspective, the island of Ireland, the horizons have been broadened now. It's no longer Scotland or England to ply your trade. 
there is other avenues where you can progress as a professional footballer. And I would sincerely hope that, like Stephen Kenny, is a very learned football man, that he will be looking at Jake Mulroney, he'll be looking at Gallagher's, he'll be looking at these guys as well in the MLS, because, you know, particularly with Kevin Doyle in Colorado Rapids, you know, he did play pretty well um, over there and really wasn't given much of a chance with Republic of Ireland side. Hopefully, Stephen Kenny will look at these guys a little bit serious and hopefully if they do impress an MLS to even bring him into training camps to see what they're like. Our kind of player pool, we want to increase. We want to increase the squad depth, particularly on our senior team level. I know we have an awful lot of exciting up and coming talent coming through, but there's also professionals, 24, 25, 26, like Mulrani is like 24. He's in his prime of his career. It'd be interesting just to see how he gets on and if there is pretty much good reports coming out of it. You know, if he does an Almir on, on it from Atlanta a few years ago, who earned a move to Newcastle, why can't Mulrani do the exact same as well? So the precedent has been set. So hopefully uh, we'll get to see a few more MLS players playing their trade from Ireland and ultimately get an international call And you know, we have to remember as well that it's not just MLS football. You can see yourself playing in the CONCACAF Champions League, you know, against teams from Mexico, from South America. And again, it's all about building your experience, you know, doing something maybe that no other player has done. This is a positive for the player and also for, for Ireland. Finally, the Nations League fixtures have been confirmed. And we now know that Stephen Kenny's first game in charge is going to be away to Bulgaria in September, followed by a home game against Finland. Mark, the first Nations League two years ago under Martin O'Neill, no one really knew if it was going to be worth the effort. And I think a lot of the opinion was that UEFA and FIFA needed to do something to appease clubs so that they weren't releasing players for friendlies. So this was announced and the initial reaction was, how is this going to work? The rules, the qualification, the different groups within different levels was very confusing. But when the fixture started, people understood it a little bit better. They had to tweak it a little bit, so instead of being instead of being relegated down to level C, we're still in level B. Uh, we're playing Bulgaria, Finland, and Wales, and I think that's a it's going to be a, a tough test away to Bulgaria for the first game for Stephen Kenny, but I think we can do well in this group. I think so too, Joe. Um, I think we should be very optimistic, and I mean it's the new era that we've all been looking forward to. Stephen Kenny, you know the brand of football, the ethos. Everything about the senior team, you know, the fundamental changes in terms of our passing style, um, it should be out in full effect. I think that Group 4, uh, Joe, if you look at the teams, they'll all look at it and they'll all take a serious cut at it. Even Bulgaria, I know we've played Bulgaria in a friendly uh, start of the season, I remember, I do recall. And we did dispatch them pretty well. But again, away in Sofia, first game out, it'd be nice if Stephen Kenny could start that with, uh, you know, a win. And then after that, then things will lead on. I mean, Finland, Wales and ourselves, realistically, would be kind of challenging for the top spot in Group 4. And I think us, the, the three teams here, you know, definitely will fancy a cut off each other. Like Finland came off a great qualification campaign to get into the Euros outright. You know, we kind of are well aware of Timo Puki with Norwich City. But, you know, they're a very compact, very well organised side, very physical side. So, and then Wales, we kind of know in terms of Gareth Bale, Aaron Ramsey, very talented players throughout the, the outside, managed by Ryan Giggs. In all disrespect to Bulgaria, they may kind of spring maybe one or two surprises in this group, but really it's between those three and they'll be hard fought. They'll be, well, it, the one thing about these groups that we weren't sure of was, Joe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, was the whole kind of balance 
you know, whether these were going to be really meaningful games. And I think very quickly we've kind of realised they are, like the the way the handicapping and the groups have been set up here. There's no easy game here per, per se. Um, so I think we should be looking forward to a few quality games come September. Yeah, I think I think the way the teams have been grouped means we get to see teams in the same level playing each other, which we don't really get to see a lot of in, in normal qualifiers. You don't get to see Spain, Germany and France playing against each other. You know, there's always like they would be the top seeds, then there'd be the second seeds, like say Austria or Switzerland, third seeds, maybe Hungary, fourth seeds, like just either Luxembourg, and then the Pharaohs are uh, San Marino just making up the numbers. Whereas the way the Nations League works, teams are on a very similar level. You know, there's, there's, it's very hard to select a winner in every game because teams are so very, very close together. And it, you get better by playing teams at your own level and being better than them and then moving on. So I would like to see us pushing for promotion to to the Group A fixtures or Group A leagues uh, mm-hmm. when the, for the next Nations League. And as well as that, ranking points are awarded for these. So it's going to improve our rankings for the World Cup qualifiers when that draw is made. I know that we're still not sure how the... 2020 slash 21 season is going to start but I think that the delayed fixtures from the end of this season will mean that the Irish players they won't have the same fitness issues that they may have had in previous years when they've only maybe got a month under their belt of competitive action so I'm looking forward to these fixtures obviously I'm looking forward to the return of international football and as well as the the Nations League fixtures we have the first playoff game against Slovakia on the 8th of October. Currently, that's scheduled for Bratislava, but obviously that could be changed at any time in the near future. We briefly mentioned them way back in March before the the fixtures were were cancelled, and it's hard to realise what impact the cancellation of three months of football is going to have on Irish players. But I am looking forward to the playoff, and I am looking hopefully looking forward to the final a month later in November. Like Mark, do you, are you still confident of uh, getting past Slovakia? Yeah, it's an interesting one, uh, Joe. Like the first that semi-final is going to be played on the eighth of October. Um, did UEFA make a directive yet in terms of whether there will be home support or any crowd? If not, then I think we have a great advantage here in Slovakia, playing in an empty stadium. You know, but it's going to be a fifty-fifty call. Kind of, I think Slovakia and ourselves, nothing really between ourselves. Um, I think we kind of know it likes it to Bravka and Newcastle. Um, Hasic as well, as well, he's played a great career in Italy, in Europe, and also in far other places. It'll be an interesting game. I'd be fully confident, you know, particularly with Stephen Kenny in charge. You know, that kind of impetus of a new manager coming in, uh, freshening things up. Again, it'll be a fine balance from Stephen Kenny, but I think with the squad that's already been there, that have been loyal to Mike McCarthy, will be given their opportunity. But even a fresh face in there, hopefully, kind of, um, you know, a new voice in the dressing room may kind of inspire us to kind of get over the line there in Slovakia. But again, with Slovakia, Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, Bosnia, Herzegovina, in Papi, everyone will fancy their chances trying to get out of here. So again, I'm quietly confident here, Joe. I'll say first things first, let's get over Slovakia first and then we can look at the final in due course. Yeah, I think Bulgaria and Finland offer some degree of experimentation. I don't expect to see a whole new starting 11 against either team. But I think there could be one or two players brought in 
to fill a role or a position that maybe we haven't seen under previous managers. I think Jason Malumbi is, is a, a shoe-in. I think that we're going to see a different strike partner for Shen Long up front. And I think we're going to see maybe a new partnership at centre-half beside Shane Duffy. Obviously, it's three months away now because there's no real break in football between then and now. Yeah. We're, start, we're looking forward to them. Yeah, uh, and you know what? To start, you asked me the question, who's impressed you? Another guy that I missed was the Galway native, Aaron Connolly from Brighton. His cameos have been brilliant, and hopefully if he keeps match fit, you know, he could be very much in Stephen Kenny's plans in terms of that partner, you know, up front, you know, with McGoldrick or Shane Long or whoever else will be up there. You know, I think he's a very clever player, Aaron Connolly. So it'd be interesting to see Adam Ida at some point get experimentation here, particularly Finland at home might be a nice uh, chance for him to impress there. Um, yeah, it's very exciting, Joe, isn't it? I mean, particularly on those Nation League games where it's been, you know, February, March, and then you have to wait until September, October for the next. This is all going to be really kind of consolidated into maybe an eight to 10 week window. We're going to see two games every month in this. And obviously we have the playoff and the Euro Championships, which are vitally important for ourselves given that we were supposed to be hosting a few of these games as well. So it's going to be a very exciting kind of end of the year, uh, despite the, the whole COVID-19 and mass postponement yeah. so far. Yeah, um, look, uh, I'm looking forward to the fixtures and looking forward to discussing the players with you, Mark, and with anyone else that would like to join us uh, between then and now. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about, please reach out to us. You can reach me on Twitter at Irish underscore abroad or Mark, uh, Hawkeye Psychic. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again soon.